welcome to the Brothers F Bookcast. Uh, I'm here today with uh, Juan Pablo, who's the youngest brother, and I'm the oldest. So it's a combination of uh, young and old today. Which is kind of fitting, because it's opposites and opposites, and that does come up in the story. It does come up in the story. I was just, I was just thinking that. But perhaps we should tell people what story it is that we're discussing today. Yeah, I guess uh, that would be smart, probably. Should I do it or should you do it? I, well, yeah, I'll give, I'll give you the honor. Okay, so the, 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 the short story is called La Escritura del Dios, or in English, the writing of the God or the script of the God, depending on how you want to translate it. And um, it's a very short, short story. It's only 14 paragraphs long, but there's a lot going on in there. Um, so the premise of the story is this. There's this, I want to say he's Aztec, but he, he's some kind of indigenous Mesoamerican. And he's in prison. He's been imprisoned by the Spanish. And he's in this uh, really dark hemispheric prison where he can't see anything. And the hemisphere is divided in two. And in one chamber, there's him. And the other chamber, there's a jaguar. And the story is the story of uh, what goes through his head while he's in the prison. So what were your initial impressions? Oof, well, first of all, the fact that the story could only be found in Spanish was pretty interesting. Just just like putting that out there. It could only be found for free in Spanish. Yeah, for free in Spanish. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it was really interesting. It was it was kind of strange. It's it's kind of interesting to think what someone would picture if they were just locked up in the prison cell for all of their life. That'd be pretty interesting. Well, not all of your life, but like a good chunk of it. It's pretty interesting. Well, pretty for the rest of his life, he's going to be there till he dies. I mean, he yeah, he himself admits that. But yeah, it's really interesting. It's kind of sad actually. It is a little bit sad. Why, uh, why would you say that it's sad? Well, because like he himself says, like I'm pretty sure he says, uh, like for which I'm going to spend all the rest of my days here. Like I can't even raise myself up from the ground. And it's just, it's sad. He's just he even he himself admits that he's so weak and crippled that he can't do anything. It's really sad. That is true. That is true. That is that is one of the sad things about the story. What did you think was interesting about the story? Um, hmm. It's kind of interesting to look back. I mean, I know that this wasn't written during that time, but like, it's kind of interesting to even like look back and see what a person might think if they were indigenous and living there and being taken over by the Spaniards. Because I don't know. I think it'd be pretty, pretty scary. Yeah, scary, uh, enraging, depressing. Uh, he's, you know, Sincan is, is captured by uh, this Spanish dude called uh, Pedro de Alvarado, who apparently was a real guy known for his cruelty. So he's captured and tortured by this dude and then thrown into this prison afterwards when he won't tell them uh, where the treasure is hidden. 
So let's let's get into the, the this that's kind of the setup for the story. Let's let's kind of get into the the meat of the story. Um, and if you're hoping for an escape or a, a happy ending, you're going to be disappointed. This 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 it, this is a story I would say. Uh, as as a lot of down. go ahead. It lets down. It lets down. Interesting take. Um, well, it's by Borges. It's by Jorge Luis Borges, who's considered to be a great, considered to be a great writer. And um, the story is about what this man is thinking and the experiences he has while he's locked in this very strange prison with the jaguar. So uh, it's fourteen paragraphs. If you haven't read it already, uh, and you can read Spanish. Uh, go ahead and read it online. If you can't read Spanish, get a translation at the library, or I think there's a a reading of an English translation on YouTube. Uh, though I have to say, having listened to the translation while reading the Spanish, I it's it's not the best translation, and and I think it could have been a little more artful, a little more uh, faithful to the text, uh, and also more pleasantly written. But leaving that aside, uh, it's not so bad that I, I would I would say yeah. No. I mean, it's fine. It's fine to listen to it and then read it. It is. Um. But I mean, if you can read Spanish, read the Spanish. If not, uh, get a translation or, or listen to the translation. Uh, so because we're we're going to spoil it. It's fourteen paragraphs. You've been warned. Um. It's so very, it's very deep. It, it there's an there's an analogy where he's like I was driving, um, like I, what did he say like knives into people's chests. Yeah, I think knives. what? Yeah, knives. yeah. So well, he's a priest, right? He he does human sacrifices, or he yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. Sacrifices. So like this one, this is definitely a story that drives a knife into your chest. Ah. So uh, Sinkan uh, drives a knife into our chest with his story. Uh, Yeah, he does. It's pretty. It's a pretty deep story. It really is. Well, well, let's let's get into it. Okay. So he's in this very strange prison where it's completely dark. With for some reason a jaguar. God knows why. Not completely dark. Not completely dark because once a day the jailer comes in. And he opens up a trap door above and light streams into the prison and he throws some food down. And for that instant, he can see the Jaguar. Mm-hmm. There you go. It's, so, it's, so try and picture it. There's a circle root. It's cut in it's half a, of the wall. It's a hemisphere. It's a half a circle. Sorry, half a circle room. Sorry. It's cut in half with a wall. That doesn't go all the way into the ceiling. There's a trap door. The guy throws food into the trapdoor. There's a jaguar on one side, and then there's, there's, there's a little window in the wall. That's how he can see the jaguar, by the way. It's oh, like yeah. at the level of the floor, and he can peer through the window when he gets that instant of light, and he can see the wild animal that is next to him. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, what's his name, Charlie? I can't really pronounce his name. Sinkan? Sinkan? I don't know. It's 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 not a Spanish name. It's an indigenous name. I'm probably butchering it myself. 
but I can't pronounce it. So I guess should we call him T? Just say, just say, just say uh, yeah. You want to call him T? Let's call him T. Okay. Uh, T would be rolling over in his grave. All right. Uh, sorry. Uh, no, okay. So T T um, T has a lot of time to think. So he does a lot of thinking. He remembers everything that he ever knew. And uh, once he's bored with that, he remembers that in his religious training, because he's a priest, he's a magician, he heard that at the beginning of time, at the beginning of time, there was a sentence written down by the god. And this sentence... Or a god. A god. And this sentence is... uh, This sentence is, he thinks, the solution to his problems. This is going to save him, right? It was written for this kind of moment where the gods were expecting things to go wrong. So they preserved this magic sentence throughout all of human history. And he's thinking, well, I'm the last priest of the god. I am stuck inside prison. This is the time. So he starts to think, what could this prison be? What could the sentence be? And he thinks, well, um, it must be written in a way that would always be accessible to us, that it would be preserved through time. So he thinks, maybe it's written in nature. Yeah. Maybe it's written in the stars or in the mountains or in the, in the jungles or the rivers. And he thinks, no, that's, that's not right because, you know, mountains are ground down. Rivers change course. Yeah. The stars that's change formation. So it's it's not that. And then he thinks, well, maybe, maybe it's about life, right? The generation of plants and crops and myself, maybe, maybe, maybe the secrets in myself. And, and he's he's kind of thinking in his vein when he realizes, uh, you dummy, why the hell is there a jaguar next to me? Seems like a pretty big coincidence. Like, don't you think? Like if you know, if the gods are trying to get me to speak this yeah. sentence, it's probably written on the jaguar. So what he starts to do is he every time the jailer comes in and lets a little bit of light come into the, the prison, he gets a glimpse of the dra- jaguar spots and he commits them to memory. And he thinks that he can decode from the spots the sentence spoken by the god. And he goes this way for a, a no, while. Wait, wait. Just, Just go pause. Ahead. Pause. pause. Okay. So you're, the, you're, t- you're on the other side. Every time the guy opens the the trap door to give him food, you catch a glimpse of this jaguar. Imagine how tedious this is. You got to memorize a whole jaguar, okay? Not just like a little spot, like a whole jaguar. That's super tedious, okay? Just just throwing that out there. Like this isn't an easy task. This takes years. Just putting that out there. Well, I mean, it's also from a rational perspective an impossible task. Because jaguar spots don't mean anything. Well, but this this isn't yeah. a rational. This isn't a story about ration. Right? I would say sort of transcends rationality a little bit. Clearly, because like later opposites coincide, which doesn't make sense. But whatever. Well, he he he's looking at this tiger, and he eventually gets very frustrated. Right? He screams into the prison several times. That's an impossible task. 
And what he's frustrated with is not just the specific problem of translating uh, Jaguar spots into uh, syntax, into, into, into a language of some kind. It's, it's the general problem of, well, what, 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 what would a god say anyway, right? So he thinks about language for a while, and he thinks about how human language always sort of implies everything in the whole world. So he says, when you, when you say tiger or jaguar, for some reason the, the story uses tiger and jaguar interchangeably. Um, I don't know. I don't know if there's any special meaning to that, but whatever. Um, when you say tiger, you think about not just the tiger, but the tiger's parents and ancestors and grandparents. And you think about, you think about the things that the tiger eats ate and the things that the, the things that those things ate and you know the the i think he uses uh i think it's the word siervos which is you know it's just like game animals and and tortugas uh turtles why well, i don't i didn't realize jaguars ate turtles but maybe maybe they did and maybe they do and um so he thinks that eventually if you think about it long enough any word that you say implies the whole universe in it. and he and he says that the language of the god is going to be just like that except you you don't you know one word is not going to imply everything. It's going to say everything explicitly and not eventually, immediately. So he thinks this, this is an impossible sentence, right? Why, why, what kind of sentence would an absolute mind speak? Exactly. So when he's in the midst of this frustration, he starts having these strange dreams. Um, and as part of these strange dreams... He um, he finds that he he sees a grain of sand in the cell, and every time he falls back asleep, there it doubles until eventually, or there's a new grain of sand until eventually he's drowning in sand, and he realizes that he's dreaming, and he tries to wake himself up, but he wakes himself up into another dream. So what do you, what do you think of that situation, Mwambi? Well. It's deep. Okay, so like he's asleep in a dream. He wakes himself up and now he's still in the dream. It's pretty deep. I, I mean, I, I, I really don't know what to think of it. That's that's kind of what I should be saying. I don't know because it's so... It's it's just so weird. I, I don't think I've ever been dreaming in my sleep and then waking up and then dreaming. The, no, it's it's insane. Right. I so, the, like, I, I don't even really want to interpret this story because I just, like, I feel like it's bigger than me and my interpretations would be... Exactly. That's I feel like I'm 14 years old and, yeah. <laughs> it feels like reading a poem or, like, a religious text that has meanings that you just possibly can't understand. Exactly. And it's kind of above you. It's... Yes, it is there. Well, let's get <laughs> there. So he escapes from these dreams. Like he has this moment of will where he tells himself that dreams within dreams don't exist, but apparently they do because he's having them. And that, uh, and, and he wakes up. He wakes up. The jailer comes in and throws down some, some food and he sees the jaguar um, with, when the light comes in from the trap door. 
and he has this vision. Do you want to describe the vision, Juanpi? Well, I think we should do it together. <laughs> All right, you start it. I'll, I'll jump in. All right. So is this the circle vision? This is the circle. So he has this vision of a circle that's not to the right of him or to the left of him or in front of him or behind him. It's everywhere at once. Okay? Everywhere at once. And I think the circle is made out of water and fire. The circle is made of water and fire at the same time. He sees the border of it, but it doesn't have a, it doesn't have an end at the same time. Infinite. It's infinite. Um, he's uh, and he sees that in that circle that I guess what you'd call the fabric of being, and he sees himself as a thread in the fabric of being, and he sees his jailer and torture, not his jailer because we don't know who his jailer is, but the man who imprisoned him. And his torturer, uh, Pedro de Alvarado, he sees well, probably, him. Probably his jailer would also be there. If everyone, everything that, um, everything basically is there, then probably his jailer is also there. Right, but the jailer is not mentioned. Pedro de Alvarado is another thread in the fabric of being. And as he's having this vision, he comes to understand the, what the sentence of the God is. He finally knows what it is, which... Should be impossible because jaguar spots don't convey syntactic meaning. But there you have it. He understands what it is. And it's 14 words that he calls casual words that, and then in parentheses, that seem casual, implying that they aren't. And if he spoke those words, it would be enough to make him all powerful. It would be enough to make him young again. It would be enough to free the jaguar and kill. Pedro de Alvarado to uh, sink his knife into the Spanish chests and sacrifice them to his god to restore the empire. To so rebuild have, the, um, the temple. To rebuild the pyramid that, that Pedro yeah. de Alvarado put to fire to, to give him everything that he wants. And he, all he has to do is say these 14 words out loud. And Juanpi, what does he do? He doesn't say them. Right. So if you, if you think about the natural progression of a, of a normal story about someone in prison, right? If you want to write a compelling story about someone in prison, what are you going to write it about? Get put in prison, probably. If, if I were writing it, they get put in prison for something they don't do. They escape prison. They get in trouble, even, even more trouble. And... Uh, Right, escape. Escape is the word. Escape is the word. Right, what what you're in a prison, and the old, the really kind of the only story you can tell about a man who is in essentially is in solitary confinement. I mean, I don't really count the Jaguars company. The only thing you can you can the only story you you think you'd be able to tell there is the story of how this man is going to escape. Nope. Nope. No, the story this man using his magic powers, his religious powers, finds a way to escape, and not just escape, but to give him all of his heart's desires. But he doesn't go through with it. He won't escape, and he won't give himself what he wants. And the question is why? So why why do you why do you think he didn't do it? Well, I kind of think he didn't do it because he kind of 
it's like he kind of loses himself. I'm not sure. Right. 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 So he, he, he has this, this, I guess you would call it a mystical experience and he no longer identifies with himself. Right. He's, he's, he's no, he says that he, he was uh, T, but he is no longer. So there's no there's no reason to care whether good or bad things happen to T. He's just going to lie there in prison because it's a sort of, it's a matter of indifference. So I mean, what do you what do you do with that? I mean, it's an extremely short story. It gets really weird really fast. I know. And right there's a lot of philosophy in there, you know, religious philosophy, philosophy of language, and you're left with this sort of unsatisfying ending. It's really confusing. It is. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, I, I mean, it's, 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 you almost do not want to interpret it. Right. Cause the guy says of the experience, I experienced what I will never forget, but cannot communicate. And, you know, I feel like me trying to put a, an interpretation or, a, or an explanation there is doing the story a disservice. I think you just got to you got to read it. If you can read Spanish, read it in Spanish or, you know, read a translation. Or just, kind of, just kind of sit there with the weirdness. Oh, that's really a really weird thing to have to deal with. Yeah, it is. It is. It's an incredibly weird story. It's the by far the weirdest story I've ever read. I know. I mean, but Borges is sort of famously weird. So maybe, maybe I will, uh, I will change that uh, sentiment once we cover more of his stories. But um, I don't even know who Borges is. Who's Borges? Jorge Luis Borges. Mm-hmm. He's a very, very famous Argentinian writer who wrote poems and short stories and translated translated works from English into Spanish. I think we're going to do, we're going to do an author bio episode on him. Uh, We may publish that before we publish this, but I I think, I think we're going to do that because he wrote so many short stories that we're probably going to do multiple episodes on just his work. Also, because he's, you know, he's one of, he's one of the the greats. Um, Yes. Borges? Well, I've never heard of him. That's the weird thing. I feel like when you hear the greats, you hear of like Mark Twain. I, I don't know. Modern times, J.K. Rowling. Like, you don't. <laughs> sorry. sorry. I know. I know. I'm a kid. I'm sorry. No, um, it's okay. Um, well, yeah. I mean, part of the reason is you, you don't normally read in Spanish, do you? No, that's fair. That's fair. But I mean, I feel like I'd still hear about him. I feel like there's still translations and stuff. Do you know who Gabriel Garcia Marquez is? Sounds familiar. Okay, well, he's another famous uh, Spanish language writer. He's Colombian, and he won the Nobel Prize. Yeah, he does sound familiar. Although, is Borges a guy? He sounds like a total stranger. Borges? Yeah. Well, he, you know, he, he's, uh, you know, another... <laughs> Another interesting thing about Borges is that he's blind. Whoa. 
He, I mean, he became blind over the course of his life. Oh, so like just like Beethoven went deaf? Yeah, it's actually, yeah, that's kind of an interesting analogy. Or like, yeah, Beethoven went deaf and kept on composing. Did Borges go blind and kept on keep on writing? Yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, you don't need to be able to see to, to compose stories. So kind of like Beethoven. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Geez, that's really interesting. Let's not get too much into the biography, though, because I want to save that for another episode. Stay tuned. <laughs> no. But I, I guess there is something there with the blindness. Like, I, you know, like it's a yeah. hemisphere. It's kind of too, like a hemisphere kind of looks like an eye. And if, you know, there's two of it and you have two eyes. Well, wait, wait, and- let's not get too carried away with ourselves. Like, was this written while he was blind, before he was blind? I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. I think, I think, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. I'm just thinking out loud. I mean, there is some interesting parallels there between all the darkness and the inability to see and what that does to T. Maybe honestly, I could kind of, that's when you said that he was blind, it kind of struck a note in my mind because like T is essentially blind except for one moment every day in which he uses to go memorize the pattern of a jaguar. And then when he, he becomes like unblinded, I guess you could say he, he doesn't care. Well, he also he also has visions, right? So, like, he can't see, but he things are going no, no, on. He can't see, but like, I'm using the analogy of being cu- stuck in a prison as like not being able to see. Well, that's that's it, right? Like the prison, you you know, like the prison. I, I said I didn't want to interpret this, but you can't. You just can't. I just can't do it. I mean, I know it's probably bad to try to take every story back to the author's bi- biography, but I just I can't help myself. You know, when you when you have someone who's who's stuck in a dark prison and the author is famously blind. It just, it's just very difficult not to go there. I know. So yeah. So maybe like the prison is like the author's blindness. And when he gets freed, like, let's say if he was thinking like, Oh, what if I could see again? Like he really wants to see again. He really wants to see again. And then he knows like, and then he thinks, Oh, what if I could see again? Then, but it wouldn't really change, like. No, I mean, look, I, I think that's as far as we can stretch the analogy because Borges obviously never had the opportunity to see again, and if yeah, he had operation yeah. that he could, then he probably. Matter does T. Well, T does. T has a way out of prison. I know, but he doesn't. He doesn't take it. That's very different, though. Well, no. What if Borges? I don't know. Maybe he didn't have a way out, but like, maybe that's his way to finish it off. I feel like Borges, if he was really blind when he wrote this story, it could kind of relate to that. Or maybe he had eye problems, or maybe he knew that he was right. So he he became blind. His his I think I believe his father went blind, but he became blind over time. So it didn't happen all at once. I I assume if you're gonna go blind, you have bad vision. Yeah, well, um, I, I think, you know, it may have degenerated over time. Yeah. He might have had good vision when he was young. I don't know. Um, okay. Well, 
So let, let's 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 leave the blindness. I mean, it's kind of interesting to think about the connections between the blindness and the darkness of the prison. But let's 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 leave that alone. I have I have a little article pulled up here. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, uh, I can hear you. I can hear you clicking. Sure. Here's. Do you want me to read it, or should we save it? I don't know. I have no idea what the article is about. So let's just about, uh, roll it here. It's about his blindness. Well, you haven't read it because you didn't know who Borges was. No, I know. It's we don't article. know if it's a good or bad article. Well, yeah, no, but it's it's an article about Jorge Luis. Uh, Why did Borges go blind? Uh, by the Benjamin I Institute, or from the Benjamin I Institute. Okay, what's their what's their diagnosis? What well, it says. So this is what happened. From early childhood, Borges suffered from terrible my myophia. And by age 29, developed cataracts. Treatment was unknown, as it would be another 40 years before Dr. Benjamin's birth. And it appeared to be a family curse. His father, grandfather, and great-grandfather all died blind. This is by an article by it's uh, by Sebastian Varo, translation by Richard Crenwelge, and um, it's from the Benjamin I Institute. Okay. So he had a... It's like I said, he had a degenerative eye disease. Yes. From really young, and then, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, maybe, I assume he wrote this, I think it said 1940. Okay, so when was he born? He was born 1899, and he started, he was pretty blind by 29. So yeah, he would have been pretty. He would have been blind when he wrote this. Mm-hmm. Well, enough about that. I mean, is there anything else that you want to say? I mean, what did you think of the wheel? Oh, it's it's just so com- It's it's just it's so much. It's like it's so crazy that it's just I don't even want to think of it. Like you were saying. Like our best recommendation for you guys is to go out and read it because it's so hard to describe it and so hard to talk about it that you just kind of got to read it and then come back and listen to this because it'll all make sense. So if you haven't read this yet, go back, read it, come back and uh, listen to this. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, I'm not sure how it holds up in any given translation, but if you can read and understand Spanish, read it in Spanish and then a ton of people, it's because it's so short, a ton of people read this in Spanish online. And what I would do is I would just listen to it over and over, like a song or something. And I, I would just let the beauty of the language sink in because the Spanish is quite beautiful in my my opinion. Even if you can't understand it, but I really suggest that you go, you find a translation, you come back here and you listen to this because it's... It well, it depends on how well you read Spanish, Wampi. Well, yeah, no, but you go find a translation if there if you don't know Spanish, you go find a translation in English or whatever language you want, and um, you read it. You come back here and you listen to this, and then this will all make sense. It is such a confusing story to explain and to describe. It's it's insane. Yeah, no, it gave me uh, it gave me goosebumps for sure. It does. Um, 
So when when you were when you were reading the Spanish and uh, you were having a little trouble and you got you got help from mom, what did what did mom say to you? She said that it was such a weird story that she didn't like Borges. She didn't like the story and that she had enough. She was actually reading the story and like it's a super short story. She was reading the story and we were translating it together and it got to the point where she was just like she we hadn't even finished the story. She was like, yeah. No, this is so stupid. I, I don't want to read this anymore. And I was like, you know what? I kind of see where you're going with that, Mom. Where where uh, Do you remember where you were when she quit? Hmm. I know it's going really weird. It do you remember? The, it might have been the vision part. I'm not sure. But I could definitely see Mom cutting out at the vision part. I could see her cutting out at the sand dream. Yeah, probably also the sand dream. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Just be, be ready for some high strangeness and uh, maybe keep a more uh, open mind than, than our mother. I'm not, I'm not here to judge her literary taste or anybody else's, but I, I personally enjoyed the story. And I, I, enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed listening to it over and over again. You did? I did. Mm, not so much me. <laughs> not so much you? No. Maybe it's just not me, but it's, it's so philosophical and so crazy that it's just not me. I enjoyed listening it over and over and not thinking too hard about it. So in the in in college I, I read a book called The Varieties of Religious Experience by William James in which he talks about mystical experiences and I think this is very clearly a short story about mystical experiences. And one of the things that William James and a lot of other people think is one of the hallmarks of a mystical experience is that it cannot be put into words. Mm -hmm. I can see that. That it's ineffable. I feel like like the reason I don't like this is because he tries to put in something that should be so crazy and great and he tries to put it into words. And it's kind of like, should he have gone there? Because it doesn't really work, is my opinion. Well, I I think think it, it worked for me. It's weird. It's just. It's really yeah, there, there is a certain there is a certain unfortunate aspect to trying to to verbalize a mystical experience. He had a hard task in front of him, and I'm saying, did he do a good job? Uh, that's debatable. You say yes, I say. Well, well, I I think I think the listeners, if if they haven't already read it, which I hope they did, when we told them we were going to spoil the story. But I think I think what you ought to do, particularly if you can understand Spanish, is just listen to the thing over and over again. That that is a beautiful way to experience the story, and don't don't try to analyze it. Don't think about Borges being blind. And don't you know? I wouldn't go there. I would just I would just let the story be a feeling. Just listen. 